Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. Psalm chapter 63. Take your Bibles and go with me tonight to the book of Psalm chapter 63. Psalm chapter 63 tonight. want to share with you a little bit what I feel like the Lord has placed on my heart this evening. Psalm chapter 63. I want to read that whole chapter tonight. So there's 11 verses in this chapter. Psalm chapter 63. Let's begin reading at verse 1. Psalm 63 verse 1 says, this is David writing, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Verse 3, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. I want you to back up to the very beginning of Psalm 63 and I don't know how your Bible is written but some of the Psalms will tell you the context in which these Psalms are written and in my Bible under Psalm chapter 63 it says a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. I thought I was going to be done talking about the wilderness place, but the Lord would just not release me from that yet. And so I want to continue tonight to talk about the wilderness. When Sunday night we talked about victory in the wilderness, and so tonight I want to talk to you about the presence and the praise in the wilderness. The presence and the praise in the wilderness. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord God. God, I'm asking you, Lord, tonight that you would anoint my lips, Lord God, anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church tonight, Lord God. Father, I'm asking you, Lord God, that you would help us tonight, Lord God. Speak to us by your power, by your Spirit. Father, whatever seeks to give the praise and the glory and the honor for it all in Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. 
And amen. You may be seated in the house of God tonight. So let's talk about the presence and the praise in the wilderness. David writes this at a very critical time in his life. As we said at the very beginning, the very beginning of the psalm, the heading of it would read a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So let's set the stage here. He's not sitting in the palace. He's not, he, he's, he's not surrounded by all the dignitaries. He's not, he, everything is not going great for him. He's living in a place that is barren. He's living in a place that is unfruitful. He's living in a place that there is no water. I don't know what, what conjures up in your mind when you think of a desert place or a wilderness, but, it's, but it is not the Taj Mahal. It's not the rich Carlton. It's not, it, it's, not even the, it's not even the Holiday Inn Express. We can't even say, you know, well, no, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn one time. We can't even say that. And this is, it, these are not, when, when we're trying to figure out places that we want to go on vacation, when we try to figure out places that we want to visit and places that we even, for people who like to camp, really, we don't think about the desert and we don't think about the wilderness place of that. And so we have to put it in proper context exactly where David is writing this song. Where David is writing this actual song to the Lord, this song that he is singing to God, this song that expresses his heart to the Lord. Because I believe that while he is writing this, he is thinking of Canaan. You know, Canaan was that place that was a fruitful place. Canaan was that place that when, when, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt's bondage, remember, he told Moses, he said, I'm going to take the people into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give you houses that you did not build. I'm going to give you vineyards that you didn't plant. I'm going to give you wells that you did not dig. And so it is a even when the spies went into the land of Canaan and they brought back the report to Moses, they said it is everything that God said that it would be. It is a place flowing with milk and honey. It is, it is everything that God said that it would be. But here was the thing about Canaan as well. But there were actually places in Canaan surrounding it that would be considered barren. It would be considered a wilderness. It would be considered places that were unfruitful. And even though that Canaan was a fruitful land, even though that Israel was a fruitful land, even in the most fruitful places, one can find themselves in a wilderness. And David wrote of the presence of God. Wrote of the presence of God and wrote of the praise of God even while he was in this wilderness. Now he just didn't take a vacation to the wilderness. He just didn't wake up one morning and decide, you know what, I think it would be good for me to go to the wilderness today. I'm going to spend a couple of days 
in the wilderness. I'm going to get out of town for a few days. No, that's not what David did. David, by necessity, had to go to the wilderness, was driven into the wilderness, because there were people that were seeking to take his life. And the only place that he knew that he could escape the hand of the sword, that he could escape people trying to overthrow him and people trying to kill him was to escape into the wilderness. Brother Jeremy, why do you say that? I say that because we have to understand the context of where David is writing this. David is not writing the psalm when everything is going good. David is not writing the psalm when he's got plenty of money in the bank. David is not writing the psalm when his health is at the best that it can actually be. David is not writing the psalm when all the family's getting together. David is not writing the psalm when he's got the nice Cadillac and he's got the two car garage. He's not writing the psalm during any time of that. He is writing the psalm in the very moment when he does not feel God at all. He is writing the psalm when he feels like that everybody has forsaken him. He's writing Song when he feels like that, when he feels like that, I know that there is a destiny on my life. I know that God has called me. I know that God has anointed me. I remember standing in the presence of my brethren when Samuel would come in and God would say, That is the one, get up and anoint him. And I knelt down in the presence of my brethren, and the anointing of God fell on me. But now I find myself in this wilderness, not knowing what to do, can't feel God's presence, can't, can't, people are trying to kill me, people are trying to usurp my authority, people are trying to overthrow me, and now I am stuck in this wilderness. But it is at this time, God say he, David say, writes this song to God and says, even in the midst of hell that I'm going through, I'm going to praise him. You see, even in the wilderness, you can experience God's presence. Even in the wilderness, you can praise Him while in the wilderness. The problem is, we allow the wilderness to steal the presence, and we allow the wilderness to steal the worship. I said Sunday night, there will be times that you will go through the wilderness experience. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Those seasons of times you cannot rebuke away. You cannot declare those away. There are seasons that we go through that we that and and, and that we have to go through because God is Forming something inside of us. Amen. And so in this moment. But the, the issue is. That we allow the wilderness. To steal our worship. We allow this experience. To instead of making us better. It makes us bitter. Remember. When. The children of Israel were carried into Babylonian captivity. The Bible says that there by the rivers of Babylon we hung our hearts upon the willows when we remembered Zion. 
And those that led us a captive required of us some mirth and said, Sing us one of the Lord's songs. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they said, How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? But David here shows us in Psalm chapter 63. David shows us that even in the midst of the things that we're going through, in the midst of the wilderness that we are experiencing, we can experience the presence of God and we can experience the praise of God. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Because there are, there, there are a number of things here that we have to look at. The number one thing is, in verses 1 and 2, we see the desire of David in the wilderness. If you are going through the wilderness tonight, you've got to have a desire to see God. Because he says, oh God, you are my God. David talked about taking hold of a living God in the midst of where he was going. And this is what he says. He says, even in the midst of this, I am still thirsty for you. God, I've got to have you. God, I need you. God, my desire above everything else. Yes, I am in this desert. Yes, it would be good if I was back at the house with the central AC running, with my feet propped up, eating a bologna sandwich, drinking a Dr. Pepper, having potato chips, and, and, and the kids running around and everybody's happy. Yes, I love that. But above everything else, God, what I need is you. God, I am thirsty for you. I'm not thirsty for the automobile. God, I'm not thirsty for the palace. God, I'm not thirsty for the throne. God, I'm not thirsty for anything else. God, what I need in this season of my life. God, my main desire is to have you. He said, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. And in verse 2, he says, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary. He says, so in, you seek God. In the thirsty moments, seek God. In the dry moments, seek God. In the barren moments, seek God. And listen to what he says. He says, early will I seek you. But can I tell you what the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart? That it is time that the church seeks him early Again, you've heard me say this before. There used to be a sign in our town there in Winter Haven, Florida, with a Bible open that said, When all else fails, read the directions. And I understand what they're trying to say and all of that. But my goodness, why do we treat God as the last resort option before the very first? thing that we do and I tell you when we see ourselves going through dry places when we see ourselves going through the trial when we see ourselves going through the difficulties it would be in my best interest it would be in your best interest to seek God early in the very beginning of it and say God first of all show me what you're trying to teach me God show me what is happening here God give me spiritual discernment as I walk this path God I need you. 
Verse 2, and his desire, his main desire is the Lord. In verse 2, his desire is the presence of God. David wanted to experience the same power in the same presence that he had become accustomed to in the house of God. And can I tell you, in the desert place, you can experience God's power and God's presence just as real as when the fruit is on the vine. As a matter of fact, God wants to show you His power in secret just as much, if not greater, as He does in public. Mm. See, we love those moments, and I do too, when we come together, and man, it's Katie by the bar the door. People are getting healed. People are laid out in the Spirit. People, God's power is just made manifest. But can I tell you this? If the only place that you experience the power of God is on Sunday morning when you come here, Sunday night when you come here, Wednesday night when you come here, but you don't experience the power of God at home, or you don't experience the power of God while you're outside. Can I tell you, and I've said this before, I've said this over the years, but it bears repeating. Some of the greatest moments that I ever had with God never happened in the church. It happened. I mean to say this and then I'm gonna and then I'm gonna move on. I was in Rome, Georgia. This was 2015, April of 2015, I believe is when it was. It was in Rome, Georgia. I was on the campus of Berry College in Rome, Georgia. Jessica and I had the opportunity to go to a retreat there. And we went there. There were lots of other ministers that were there, lots of just people. I mean, it was it was just. It was just amazing being able to be there. While we were on the campus of that, I, her and I took a stroll. And it had those rolling hills, you know. I mean, you look out over the horizon. It's just, it's not hills like this. They're not large hills like these. But they're just rolling hills as you look at them. I walked to the edge of the college because the college was the only thing that was around there. You had to go a few miles to actually get into town. And I sat down on top of one of those hills and I said, God, speak to me. I didn't have a Bible, didn't have a notepad, didn't have anything. And the presence of God came down on that little hillside. And the presence of God sat by me for the next two hours. I'll never will forget it as long as I live for the next two hours. 
God began to deal with me. God began to speak to me concerning things in my own life, concerning things in my ministry. And can I tell you, as far as experiencing the power in the presence of God, I put that over anything that I've ever felt in a church service in my life. And can I tell you, and what I say all that to say this is that even we say we even when we sing it, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. And even in the dry places, his power can be still made manifest. You don't believe it? Let's look at scripture. Ezekiel experienced God while he was in Babylon. John the Revelator experienced God while he was on the Isle of Patmos. If the only time that we get to experience God is when the music is up and when the preacher is telling us, come on, let's worship God. If that's the only, no, but what God is, what David is saying in the midst of where I am at right now, in the midst of where I am at, just like I experienced it in the house of God, God, I know that even where I am at right now, I can experience your power and your presence. Do not, do not let the enemy ever tell you that you can't experience the presence of God even in the midst of what you are going through. Because I have found out that even in the midst of the driest places, that's where God's power shows up the greatest. So we see his desire. In verses 3 and 4 of the psalm, we see the esteem of God. Or the worship of God. Because listen to what he says. He said, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. So we see the desire. Now we see the esteem of God. Or the praise of God. Because listen to what David says. David is saying, because your love, God... Is better than life. You know what he's saying there? He's saying even if I die in this wilderness, I'm going to praise you. Now, see, here's the interesting thing. Please don't get don't don't get mad at me. Don't everything. See, people would say, "Well, that's well." That's not very faith-filled. Oh, I beg to differ. It's very faith-filled. Because he's standing there and he's saying, listen, your presence, my desire for you that is above everything else. He said, I would rather experience you here in this wilderness than to be back in the fruitful plains of Canaan and not have you at all. Mm, I'm getting ready to preach here in just a moment. And he says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. He says, so thus I will bless you while I live. What he is saying here is even in the midst of what I am going through right now. You know how long I'm going to worship you? I'm going to worship you all the days of my life. If you never get me out of here, God, I'm going to worship you. Mm. Well, that's what the Hebrew boy said. 
Hebrew boys went to King Nebuchadnezzar and said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you concerning this matter. We don't have to have a committee meeting to figure out what we're going to do. But the fact of the matter is, you've already given the decree, but we've already made up in my mind. We're not, we didn't bow then, we're not going to bow now, and we're not going to bow tomorrow. So if you need to go ahead and throw us into the fire, go ahead and throw us into the fire. But I want you to know something, King. He says, you know, God is able to deliver us from the fire, but if not. He said, but if not. People say, well, don't speak that. That's what they said. But if not. Let it be known, we ain't going to bow. Because one thing that we do know, O King, is this. We may not be delivered from the fire, but we'll be delivered from your hand, O King. Because they had a, they, because they had a, a New Testament revelation in an Old Testament time. Because Paul the Apostle would write, this one thing I know is to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. So he said, so the three Hebrew boys would just stand back and just say, hey, listen, we may have to go through the fire. Guess what? We may even die in this fire. Can God deliver us from the fire? Yes, he can. But if he chooses not to, we know that either way that how this thing works out, we're going to be delivered from your hand, O King. Because we understand that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And whether we're delivered here or whether we get to go over there. We're going to be winners either way. We can't lose. And if we if we live here, we, then we're going to continue to walk by faith and not by sight. But if God decides to call us home, then our faith is going to end in sight because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He said, I'll bless you while I live. So it's a lifelong thing. Remember? Remember the scripture that we love to quote? This is, this is good teaching tonight. You know the scripture in Revelation that we actually quote it incompletely. We don't quote the whole thing. Who here remembers how we overcome Satan according to the book of Revelation? It's not two things. It's actually three things. But more often than not, we only, we only say two of them. But it's actually a three-step process in overcoming Satan. We quote it, well, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And we stop there. Because if we're honest, and I'm preaching to me too, we don't like the next part. Because he said they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of the testimony, by the word of their testimony, and... They love not their lives even unto death. Because what does Revelation say? Revelation says that God actually gave the beast the authority to kill. But they overcame by the blood of the Lamb by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives even unto death. So in the wilderness, we see the praise. We see the esteem of it. Because David said, my worship to you is lifelong no matter what. Then in verse 5, we see that in the wilderness, David was satisfied. So we see the desire in the wilderness. We see the praise in the wilderness. We see the satisfaction 
in the wilderness. When in verse 5 he would say, my soul shall be satisfied. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Again, it's a New Testament belief found in an Old Testament time. Because what would Paul the Apostle write in Philippians? Philippians, the book of joy that was written while he was in prison. And Paul would say, I know what it's like to be a base. And I know what it's like to abound. And then he quotes the scripture that often we take out of context. I don't have time to preach that. When he says, and I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Because that's not about that scripture. I don't know why I'm teaching all this, but I just, I'm just going to teach it. That scripture is not about, well, if I want to be a doctor, I can be a doctor. That scripture is not about that if I want to be a lawyer, I can be a lawyer. If I want to be an astronaut, I can be an astronaut. Why? Because the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's not what that's about. If you go back and read it, he's saying, there have been times that I've had everything. There's been times that I found myself destitute. But he says, I have learned that in whatsoever state I am in, to therewith be content. For I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And David here in verse 5 is saying, even in all of this, God, my soul is satisfied. I'm satisfied even in this. Why? Because it ties them back to the desire. God, my desire is you. We see the satisfaction. Then in verse 6, we see the communion in the wilderness. When he says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. He understands that in the wilderness, he's got to have that communion for God. Have you noticed something here? Read this. Did he at one time ever ask to be delivered from where he was at? Never did. Now I know that doesn't sound like great victorious preaching, but what he writes here is victorious living. What he writes in this is victorious living. Living because he says, even in the wilderness, I'm having communion with you. When I lay down, I'm thinking about you. What is he thinking about? Psalm 1 would give us an indication when he would say, Blessed is a man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor seats in the city of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day. And night. So you've got in the wilderness, you've got to have desire. 
In the wilderness, you've got to have the praise. In the wilderness, you've got to have the satisfaction. And in the wilderness, you've got to have the communion. And then in verses 7 and 8, in the wilderness, you've got to have dependence. Because listen to what he says. He says, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. And he says, even in the midst of this, I can't depend on anything else because everything else is gone. Everything else is gone. I'm on the run for my life. People are trying to kill me. At one moment, at one point in his life, even his own men talk about picking up stones and stoning him. And he understands something. He understands that if I'm going to survive this, I've got to realize who my help comes from. And he understood that my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and an earth. And he says, because you have been my help. I want to know in this house tonight, can somebody testify and say, I know that he's been my help. That when I didn't have a way, he has been my help. When I when there was more month at the end, or there was more month than there was money, he has been my help. When the food cupboards were bare, he has been my help. When the enemy was attacking my family, God has been my help. When I didn't have anybody else to turn to, I knew that he was a faithful friend because Proverbs would say he is a friend that sticks closer than any brother ever would. Can I tell you, when we go through the wilderness experience, it is very helpful for us to understand just who it is we can depend on. And David would say, because you have been my help, he said, therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. And he says in verse 8, my soul follows close behind you. And it's your hand that holds me up. Can I tell you why I'm here right now? I'm here because His hand has held me up. I am here tonight because there's been many times over this 20-year walk with God, Sister Kenneth, that the enemy has seen has sought to devour me. And I'm not here standing this evening because I was great. Because I was I, I dotted all the I's and I crossed all the T's. And I did everything that the way that the church said that I should do it. Or even yet, can I even just, can I just blow your mind? And not because I did everything the way that the Bible said that I should to do it. It had nothing to do with my faithfulness. It had everything to do with His. And He upheld me with His right hand. He upheld me. And so I know where the dependence comes from. 
He upholds me with his right hand. And in the wilderness, we've got to understand the dependence of this. It reminds me of this, and I'm almost getting ready to bring this to a close. I've got one more point to make. Story is told of a man walking through the desert. And he is thirsty. He has been walking for many miles through this desert. And out in the middle of this desert is an old shack. And he walks into there, and in the middle of the room is a hand pump well. Beside that is a jug of musty, still, stale water. Hot, stale, not worth drinking, but for someone who's been walking for miles without anything to drink. That's a cool, refreshing drink right there. But there is a note on that bottle. And it says, use this water to prime the pump to get water. So what do you do? Do you drink that water? Or by faith, do you prime that pump Hoping that something is going to come out of that pump. So that man pours that water into that pump and begins to prime it. Begins to pump for the first little bit, nothing is coming out. And then all of a sudden, some brown liquid rust starts coming out and all of a sudden within just a couple of minutes icy cold water comes flowing out of there and he drinks the water fills up the jug puts the note back on there it's for the next weary traveler that's coming by but he adds something to it To get cool water, use this water in the jug to prime the pump. And underneath it, he writes, try it. It actually works. Because he was dependent on what was in the jug to provide for him something to come up out of the well. And when we are in the wilderness, we've got to depend on the rock that gives the water Amen. to bring up into us rivers of living water. Uh, I, this, is, this is good. And David understood his dependence was on God. And then finally, 
we see the desire in the wilderness. We see the praise in the wilderness. We see the satisfaction in the wilderness. We see the communion in the wilderness. We see the dependence in the wilderness. But in verses 9 and 10, 9, 10, and 11, we now see the triumph in the wilderness. Because he says, he admits in verse 9 that there are those who seek his life to destroy it. But he says, even though that I am in this wilderness, God, you're going to fight for me. Because the ones that are trying to derail me, you know, the, the, new, King James, the new King James is kind of nice about it. They say they're going to go into the lower parts of the earth. Can we just be real? They're going to hell. God's judgment is going to be poured out on those. And can I tell you, God's judgment is going to be poured out against people who are coming against the church. Mm. I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. And he says, there are people, God, that are trying to take me out. But they're going to go into the lower parts of the earth and they shall fall by the sword. But the king, we're going to rejoice in God. And everyone who swears by him is going to experience the glory. And he ends it by saying, and those who speak lies... God is going to shut their mouth. Can I tell you, here's the best part of it all. We may be experiencing at times seasons of wilderness. Will not be the first time, won't be the last. But here's the truth of the matter. The church, the blood-bought church of the living God, the remnant, the spirit-filled, sanctified, born-again believers are always going to be triumphant. Uh, they're always going to be victorious. For the New Testament believer, we are always going to be victorious. Why? Because over 2,000 years ago, on a cross at Calvary, there was a man, the man Christ Jesus, the Son of the living God, who was suspended between heaven and earth. When he cried out, it is finished, he won the victory. He won the victory for your salvation. He won the victory for your healing. He won the victory for every battle that you are going to have to face. And we may have to navigate through some things between now and eternity. But on the other side of it all, I feel like preaching right now, we are always going to become victorious. It may not look like that we're victorious right now, but we are the champions. We are the victors. We are the winners because we've said it before and it bears repeating again. I've already taken a look at the back of the book and I know that we win. And so what do I have to fear about what I'm experiencing? 
using right now. There's more to life than what I'm going through right now. There's more to life than my health. There's more to life than my finances. There's more to life than everything that we see here. All of this is going to pass away. But regardless of what God decides to do between here and there, one thing I do know, I know that everything that the enemy has designed for me, God's going to shut up and God's going to close down. And God's going to close down. Why? Because over 2,000 years ago at the cross at Calvary, I know that he already bought my victory. He already bought my redemption. He already bought my healing. He already bought my salvation. And I'm here today to say, even in the midst of what things I may have to go through, I can lift my hands and say, I will bless thee while I live because I am triumphant in this house tonight. Amen. Stand with me on this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The power and the presence in the wilderness. I said it before. I'll say it again. You can praise Him. You can bless Him. Regardless of what stage of your journey you are in. You can... David said in the midst of this, I'm going to lift up my hands and I'm going to bless Him. I'm going to bless Him while I live. I desire you. I praise you. I'm dependent upon you. I'm communing with you. <laughs> and when all of it's said and done, I'm going to be triumphant in this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Sometimes we learn to depend on Him. Nobody can tell me any different. In the three years before, in the three years that we moved up, before we moved up here, the things that my family experienced. I know that you're standing. Just bear with me here for just a moment. And the things in the three years before we moved up here that my family and I experienced. You've heard me, you've, you've heard me testify of this. And I'm not trying to rehash old things. We'd come home from revivals. And our lights and water would be turned off because we didn't have enough money to pay for it. And the church didn't get what I'm just being honest. The, the, you know, the church, churches that we were at did the best that they could. Didn't do anything. 
Pastor, when we had to ration one box of rice maroni through the day into three separate meals so that we knew that we would have something to eat. And I say you can't convince me otherwise because here's what I'm saying. Nobody can come to me and tell me, well, you've been faithful paying your tithe, pay your tithe. We were doing that. You've been praying? Yep. Been praying. Well, you're really trusting God? Yep. Really trusting God. Have you just commanded the enemy just to take his flight off of your finances and off everything in your family? Yep, sure have. And guess what? Nothing happened. Because some things you just got to endure. And that ain't hooping and up, hollering, running the aisles, and falling out on the floor type preaching. But that's the truth. And there were many times, Tanya, I would go into my prayer closet mad, discouraged, Ticked off. I'm just being honest with you. Demanding God to do something. And Pastor Tony, I'd, I'd, if, if God was in front of me, I don't know, I'd probably been bold enough at that time to get up in his face and go, I'm just being honest with you. Is that okay? Because there, there were times that I would tell God, I've done everything you've told me to do. And you know what God would always respond back? I'm so thankful that God was a gracious, loving God that he didn't just strike me down. Yeah. And he would tell me, he said, Jerry, do you trust me? Then I just have to break down and repent and say, God, yes, you know I trust you. Get up and go. And now, on the other side of it, God was preparing me In the wilderness. So that now. I can see. The abundance. And if you're faithful. In one season. <coughs> God. Will make the next season. Fruitful. Sister Steele told me this after service Sunday night. We were talking about this. The children of Israel wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years because they couldn't get it through this. Or better yet, couldn't get it in this. That God was their source. But you can experience... The presence and the praise in the wilderness. 
And I'm glad to report to you, you will be triumphant. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight, Lord God. I praise you, Lord God, for... This may seem weird, God, but I praise you for it all. I praise you for the many blessings. I even praise you, Lord God, for the seasons that I didn't even know if you were even around, but you were there, Lord. And I thank you that you're always faithful and that even in the wilderness I experienced your presence and your praise. Father, tonight, regardless individually or corporately where we find ourselves at, Lord, you help us to trust you. You help us to depend on you. You help us to praise you. God, we know that at the end we will be triumphant. We already are, Lord God. And we're walking in that today. Father, we'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight? Amen. today's message by evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.